1: Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Boxing
1: with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel. It's NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. When you win, you'll get paid fast. FanDuel has a lot of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Combine multiple bets in the same game in a same game parlay and try out same game parlay plus. And now FanDuel is live in Ohio. So people in Ohio, get in on the action immediately. Use the promo code boxing. That's how they know I'll send you. And download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. For the What's podcast?
4: the new setup? We're in a garage. It's cold, and you happen to go to living spaces and got a got a sectional, <laughs> four hundred dollars sofa. You cheapskate and one light that's already running out of battery. We're we're, we're on YouTube now. We're, we're so what? big on YouTube, my my six year old people can watch. Son could be on, YouTube, on man. YouTube, man. Anyone could be on YouTube.
1: But I'm trying to expand the podcast. We've got a very loyal audience on the audio side. Loyal because of build me. In
4: loyal because of me. I bring in the ratings. I bring in the numbers, and that's why I'm. Your your returning guest Bring in the bad scally cap too. All
1: right. Sergio Mora is here. Former junior middleweight champion, DAZN broadcaster, <laughs> the Latin snake himself. On this episode, we are going to get into the big fight uh, this weekend over in the UK. Archer Betterbiev against Anthony Yar. We're also going to talk about Alexis Rocha. That is why we are in Los Angeles. Alexis Rocha is going to take on George Ashy at the YouTube theater. That's a fight that we're going to be calling on DAZN. But first, Sergio, I want to go back to the UK From this past weekend. You had Chris Eubank Jr., Liam Smith, 160 pound fight. This was a fight that most people favored Eubank. They thought Eubank would, I don't know if it would be an easy win, but they thought he was the significantly better fighter than Liam Smith. Not only was he not the significantly better fighter, but he got knocked out in the fourth round of uh, that fight. So let's start there. Your reaction to Chris Eubank getting knocked out by Liam Smith.
4: I was, surprised. I was surprised just like uh, everyone else. I thought Eubank was going to have not a walk in the park, but uh, a, another unanimous decision win, fight behind the jab, fight careful, and pick up a win against a former champion. But that wasn't the case, Mannix. That wasn't the case for many reasons, and uh, I'm sure you're going to ask me about it, so yep. I'm just going to tell you about it right now without Good. you asking. You know, uh, when a fighter gets content, you know, he, he gets to a point where he thinks he can do the same thing with everybody. Chris Eubank Jr. came a long way on his father's last name. He came a long way with that swag that he carries himself with. He came a long way fighting careful behind that jab, not taking many risks. He has enough power to hurt you, but he doesn't go out to hurt you. So these are all things that 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 carried him this far. But against a former champion like Liam Smith, someone that's been through the fire, someone who's older, shorter, and, and lighter was able to knock him out. This is a man in Eubank that's accustomed to fighting at 168, but he, he started his career as 151. So he's not a natural super middleweight. See, these are the little things that you have to actually dissect. So I just think he's finished, man. I think he's finished. I, I'm going to go out and say what Nasima Med said the first time he's seen him fight. I, I think he should finish.
1: Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Carl
4: Frotch said the exact same right.
1: thing. And we'll, we'll get to his future in a minute. But I want to talk about the fight right now because I, I was— Look, if you told me Liam Smith was going to win that fight, I would say, all right, maybe I could see that. Liam Smith is a good fighter. He had some momentum coming into that fight. You know, two of his last three wins came against Anthony Fowler, which was a relatively high-profile win. Uh, Jesse Vargas, he beat up. That was over in the U.S. We called that fight. So he was coming in with some momentum. But Chris Eubank has a reputation for having a really good chin. And to get clipped... By Liam Smith, who's not a monster puncher, but to get clipped by Liam Smith in the fourth round and get knocked out. I mean, Eubank likes to say, or has liked to say, that he could have continued. No, he couldn't have. (laughs) There was no way he could have continued. He thought he was still in the fight when the referee was grabbing him. That tells me you're completely out of it at that point. Um, I was shocked that Liam Smith was able to finish that fight. Um, I, I, I. uh, that part of it, though, like does that did that part surprise you? Liam Smith got a stoppage in this fight?
4: Yeah, it surprised me. It surprised everyone. And you're so fickle, man. This time yesterday, you were saying that Chris Eubank Jr. has a granite chin, the, quote unquote. You, you said a granite chin. Okay, and let's I do this. And he I, and does I have a granite you. chin. I clowned you over there. No, he doesn't. Good. That's an appropriate word. Good chin. And it's not that he has a good chin. It's that he's always in great condition. You see how ripped and lean he is. He's a tall fighter. He fights behind a jab. He doesn't take a lot of chances. And when he does get clipped, he can take the punch because he's in shape. He doesn't have no granite chin, but I'm glad you finally corrected yourself. He's
1: fought. Look at some of the guys doesn't that he's matter. fought it and have- gone the distance with. Billy Joe Saunders, not a, puncher. Not a huge puncher, but he's a legitimate middleweight Keep at going. that time. Uh, Arthur Abraham. Arthur Abraham. Big yep. puncher, older. Okay, definitely older. George Groves, big puncher, kind of already over over the uh, over the hill. Over James the hill. DeGale,
4: damn good puncher. <laughs>
1: okay, I just named at least two good punchers that Chris yeah, DeGale has, fight. Has he fought
4: very careful. Matt Koroboff? not Tremend- That's tremendous a puncher, round. but not that a, was not a, a championship that was not a championship uh, caliber fight. Uh,
1: then you know Liam Williams and, in his last fight, and
4: all these fighters that you just mentioned, uh, he was able to carefully uh, go the distance with. Uh, so. And he came up short with uh, B.J. Saunders, but it was a split decision, majority. Yep. That's what he does. He he stays in the fight with the jab. He doesn't take chances. It's not a granite chin. He when he does get hit, he's just in good shape where he can backpedal. He can use the jab. He can fight smart. That's who he is. But uh, when he when he came to a, do you think he that, got clipped with a lucky shot? That's what he thinks. No way. He, thinks he was winning the fight. You know, he got hit with basically a lucky shot, or at no, least a good shot. There's no such thing in, in luck in boxing. There's no such thing. All right. So get that out of you out of your vocabulary. Nobody gets hit with lucky punches. You train not to for, for you not to get unlucky in, in the in in the fight he got clipped because he's older he got overconfident and he's older his reaction time is not the same and um he, he was in there with a former champion that's been through the fire let's let's not discredit liam smith here he comes from a am he comes from a fighting family all right that's one two he's already been a former champion he's fought canelo came up short he fought a, a much bigger jaime mugia undefeated champion Came up short, and then he lost against an undefeated uh, Russian fighter, I believe. Very good fighter. Came up short. Nothing to sneeze at as his record. So he's been through the fire. He's hardened through it. He, he's he been a legitimate former champion. Chris Eubank Jr. And let me emphasize the junior, Mannix. Are you a junior, by the way? No. You should be.
1: Nepotism its best. That's not nepotism.
4: Juniors, on the other hand, he can't carry the legacy his dad had. you know. But he came a long way on his dad's last name. You know, Junior never really won a major world title, manix. He, he was an IBO champion, he was an interim champion. He never held one of the four major straps Liam Smith has. So that's the difference. One you have a smaller, older fighter that's been through the fire, faced the actual big dogs and actually can call himself a former champion, and then you have somebody that that just got got a got a long way from his father's name like you.
1: All right, okay. I did, did not go a long way from my father's name. Father was a shout out,
4: uh, Manic Senior. Love you. He was a police officer in Boston.
1: Anyway, um, let's talk about the future of both guys. Chris Eubank, um, as you alluded to, there has been suggestions that he should retire. Kalfroth was one of them. He is 33 years old. This was a bad loss. You kind of already gave it away, but you think he should retire?
4: Yeah. No. uh, He doesn't have that hunger anymore. I don't think he can go back. Uh, to 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 pick himself up to get back to a title shot. I don't think he has three four fights left in him to go fight uh, hardened contenders. That's what you have to do to get back on top. Now, maybe he doesn't have to do three fights. okay, Maybe he can have uh, the immediate rematch. that's that oh, he makes, says he wants the rematch. that's that, that's the only the only way that I think he can get his uh, credibility and his respect back. But if he goes back and faces a top twenty contender and wipes the floor with him, and then uh, another fighter maybe gets a knockout. Uh, I it has to be calculated risk that he takes. Once he gets back to the championship level or the former championship level, we're gonna see what happens again. Once you get clocked like that, manix, it's, it's gonna be in you. And as far as as far as Chris Eubank goes, Jr. Uh, he he carried him he carried himself with an aura of an invincibility. And anytime you have a fighter like that that finally gets stopped, not beaten knocked out embarrassed in front mm-hmm. of millions of people in front of your home crowd you don't have that swagger anymore he can't carry himself like he used to you know they're the they're just they they got to transform into something that he's not he can't humble himself down so i don't see him coming back
1: i don't think he needs to retire i do think he needs to move back up in weight to super middleweight i think we have seen and i know you disagree with this uh but we we have seen that guys cutting down in weight it costs them something with the chin like it makes them more vulnerable to getting knocked out and that's what I think we saw with Chris Eubank I don't think he was hit with a lucky shot I think he you know was hit with a good shot a shot that Liam Smith planned to throw and I think he just couldn't take it and if he can't take a Liam Smith punch how is he going to take like a Gennady Golovkin punch or even a you know, we'll get to this later, but even a Connor Ben punch He's in not. that situation. So I think for starters, he should move up to 168 and start fighting there. I also think he needs to reevaluate his style of fighting. I'm not saying, look, Roy Jones is one of the all time greats in boxing. And if they want to continue working together, they absolutely should. But whenever I watch Chris Eubank fight, Fights like Roy Jones. He tries, and He tries. He tries. To he tries. And guys they, they... can't do that surgery. What made Roy Jones special was his reflexes were off the charts. Mm-hmm. He was one of the best reflexive fighters that reflexive. anyone has ever seen. And when he got into trouble later in his career is largely due to the fact that his reflexes started to erode. It wasn't because he changed his style. It's just that he couldn't be as twitchy in, in some of these fights. Chris Eubank was never that twitchy. And yet, I see him out there in the ring. He's got the arm dropped. He's swinging around. He's moving a little bit like Roy. It's like with Floyd Mayweather. Like, only Floyd can do the shoulder roll. Guys try to mimic it. They don't do it particularly well. Uh, Same thing with Roy. Roy fights like Roy. And if you try to fight like him, you better be blessed with the same type of reflexes. So, i like to see Eubank go up to 168. And start to tweak his style. He doesn't have to fight like Tim Bradley, but I think he does need to fight a little bit less like Roy Jones.
4: Is reflective a word? It is. Just checking, Mr. Boston grad. All right, well, look. Boston College. The reflexes, yes. What made Roy Jones Jr. great is his reflexes and the power and speed. That combination of the three, which is... A rarity for a boxer to be gifted with. Normally, he's gifted with one if he's lucky, two if he's great. All three, that's athleticism. That's Superman right there. That's Superman type talent. So don't ever try to compare yourself to Superman. Floyd Mayweather Jr., another Superman. You can't compare the speed, the power that he had, that lightweight, the twitchy reflexes that you said, man, this is like, these are like two. supermen of boxing when it comes to reflexes and you can't you can't compare their speed and power to anyone else uh, that's one i mean when i first started boxing i i wanted to box like sugar ray leonard then i realized i don't have sugar ray leonard's speed then i tried to box like roberto duran i don't have miles of piedras then i try to fight like roy jones jr i don't have that athleticism <laughs> then i realized you have to fight like sergio Moore. you have to invent your, invent your own style and that's what i did that's why my style is so you know unique because i had to invent what worked for me chris eubank jr we know what got him a long way. That's a long jab. He's he's patient. He doesn't take chances. He has a good right hand. Uh, he'll catch you with little sneaky uppercuts for a tall fighter. They'll catch you off guard. And a good body puncher. He, he has the, the solid basics. But whenever you're talking about training with a legend like Roy Jones Jr., yeah, of course you're going to try to emulate him because that's who you admired growing up. But you can't be doing that in your, in your 30s anymore. You can't be doing that when you're, you already are who you are. You know, what you have to do, and, and this is uh, this is something that a lot of fighters actually uh, 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 resort to when they get older. They change their style, what got them there. Punchers try to become boxers, and boxers be, try, try to become punchers because that's how they stay in the game, and the legs start fading, so they have to change into something they're not. Chris Dubang Jr., he just changed because he thought he, he can be Roy Jones Jr., and that's not the case. You're not him. You're not Floyd Mayweather. You're not Sugar Ray Leonard. You got to f- pick the Little things that work for me from other great fighters and then mend them to like what's yourself, you got to be yourself in, in this game,
1: all right. So, what about Liam Smith? Because right now he's kind of sitting in the catbird seat at the moment, like he, what seat? Catbird, it means he's in Never a good heard position, all right. I'm not explaining every uh turn of phrase to you. Um, he has some momentum here, he's contractually obligated to fight Chris Eubank Jr. in a rematch if Eubank uh, exercises it, if he doesn't, though some pretty good options out there for him. Liam Smith's talking about Gennady Golovkin, who still has two middleweight titles. Like that um, you know, Connor Ben is still out there. Smith Ben, if Love Ben can get back in, um, is a good domestic fight. So what about Liam Smith? What should be next for him?
4: Either of those fights, I think it makes sense. If, if this was uh, three, four years ago, I would say stay away from Golovkin. But this version of Golovkin, this 40-year-old version of Golovkin who's vulnerable to the body, Liam Smith is an excellent body puncher, fights great on the inside. Um, the, you give the- him a shot in that fight? I give him, I give him a shot to really look good, yeah, and and maybe go the distance, yes, because he he's a volume puncher and he doesn't really give you space to unleash that power. Mm. Now Golovkin is a power puncher on the inside, but we've we've noticed in his last couple of fights he likes to keep the fight on the outside. Now yep. he doesn't want to get on the inside because we've seen him get touched the body. Smith is an excellent body puncher, so yeah, I, I give Smith uh, an excellent chance of of of, of hanging with with a former monster like Golovkin, maybe even going the distance, but I like that fight. I love the, the Connor Ben fight because that makes total sense across the pond. You know, they, they can sell out uh, an arena, especially with, uh, with all the, the negative publicity that Connor Ben's been having. And, you know, all the fans that he had now, they're going to be hating. They're going to be going against him now. So it can, they're still going to sell tickets and Liam Smith, he has a, a second, or maybe even third chance at doing something and making some money, and still carrying that legacy of his uh, of his family and his name.
1: We talked about this last week, but what's your take on the Conor Ben situation? I mean, he's out there saying he has been vindicated. Supposedly, there is a two hundred plus page report that, for some reason, the WBC has. The WBC is not a state or country commission. The WBC really can't say one way or the other whether a guy is eligible to fight or not they are a sanctioning body that sanctions ben in its rankings um but ben's out there saying science has set me free are you buying any of that and is there it has in your mind has he served enough time on you know to be punished for this
4: fuck no hell no uh rubbish as they say across the pond that's rubbish have you heard him apologize no, I haven't. I have not either. All party so, he
1: said is like, I didn't do it. I like, didn't do you know, it, it. But
4: two tests proved that the science caught him, and uh, uh, it was Chris Eubank Jr. that actually tweeted that. I love that tweet. He said, "Science vindicated." Uh, uh, Conor Ben said, uh, uh, "Science vindicated him," and then Eubank Jr. says, "Well, it's also science that popped you. You cheat." And yeah, man, when it comes to science, you know you can you can't cheat it. It is what it is. It's right there. It's facts it's like math which I suck at, but Matt is not going to lie to you if you follow all the steps. So you follow the trail and it's going to lead you to the truth. And he got caught not once, but twice. Now all he has to do to get back and, and, and vindicate himself is not by lying, not at, not by saying, what about this? What about this? And, and I prove my, no, apologize, say it's, it. you know, I'm young, I'm foolish. I'm ambitious. I, I try to take a shortcut. I'm sorry. From now on, I will do Vata testing year-round. I will do this. I will do that. That's how you get your respect back. You're not going to get it by trying to sweep it under the rug because it's not working for them. And you're not going to get it by coming back and knocking out some, some, some uh, you know, French contender because people are still going to have that hate for you, that despise for you. You turn a lot of people down, Manix. Whenever you have fans that admired you, that follow your career, and they, 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 they support you from the beginning, and then you cheat them, it's not only cheating the sport and cheating yourself and your team and your family. You're cheating people that that have put uh they they have invested, invested something. Invested in you. Yeah. their emotions in you and you just slap them in the face. You're not Superman. You're not you're not that athlete that they look up to. You're a cheat and that's how you got there. And then it just it 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 just it takes it away from fans.
1: All right, let's keep it in the UK. Um for this next topic, Archer Betterbiev, the three-belt, 175-pound champion. He is over in London to take on Anthony Yard. Anthony Yard, people in the U.S. probably remember Anthony Yard as an opponent of Sergei Kovalev back in 2019. Yard had some success in the first half of that fight, eventually got knocked out. He has one loss, a split decision to Lydon Johnson since then. He did avenge that loss uh, with a knockout win uh, over Johnson, that fight's going to be on ESPN Plus, by the way. All, all due respect to our friends over at Top Rank, to Evan Korn, the great publicist over at Top Rank, to all the good people over at Queensbury who are billing this as a puncher versus puncher fight. This is not This is not a puncher versus puncher fight because in one corner, you've got one of the most devastating punchers at least in light heavyweight history, and the only active champion in Beterbiev who has all of his wins coming by way of knockout. In the other corner, you've got a guy with some knockouts, but they've come against... A lot of knockouts. Yeah, but they've come against against, nobodies at this point. They've come against nobodies. So, you know, there's this this billing for this fight that we're going to see two big punchers go at it in the middle of the ring... No chance that happens. No chance. Archer Betterbiev is going to come forward like Archer Betterbiev does, and maybe in the first few moments, Yard throws some punches back. But once he tastes that power, he ain't banging with Betterbiev. He's going to try to box with Betterbiev. And we've seen that hasn't worked at this point either. So I I like Betterbiev massively in this fight. I think this is a mismatch. You know, Yard, he's the mandatory, so it's it's his position to be in, but I think this is a pretty significant re- uh, mismatch.
4: It won't be a mismatch for about seven rounds. I see Anthony Yard doing well. I see him winning rounds. I see him actually uh, outboxing Bedarbiev in like three or four rounds because Bedarbiev is somewhat of a slow starter because he, he's not a volume puncher. He's just he wants to hit something solid. You know, he, he's kind of like a Joe Smith. He's kind of like a Joe Smith Jr., that type power only with with even more power and more technique and more conviction. You think Anthony Yard has
1: more power than Joe Smith?
4: No way. I didn't say that. I said better be if it's similar to a Joe Smith Jr. as far as his heavy hands. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Yard has hard – he has good pop. He has hard punches, but you can't compare the two, and you can't compare the two's resumes either. So who are you you knocking out? First of all, when you look at a knockout ratio, it's like, okay, who did you knock out? And then you look at the the people that he knocked out, and say, okay, how many times have they been knocked out? That's how you actually start uh, realizing how hard a puncher is when you look into the numbers. You look at better B.F. Uh, uh, names and numbers and resumes. He knocked out guys that never been knocked out. You know, that's what you respect when it comes to when it comes to yard. He has actually. You know, fought and knocked out fighters that are either already been stopped or already had, you know, multiple losses, and they're not on the championship level. You look at Anthony Yard's resume, and you realize why well, he has a high knockout percentage and doesn't take away from the fact that he is a hard puncher, but he's not a power puncher, and he's not going to be a, a, a top rated power puncher if you rank the, the top you know, 25 or 30 or even 40 punchers because the, the resume doesn't match the uh, knockout ratio on Yard's uh, After
1: After getting knocked out by Kovalev, Yard fought uh, a guy named Diego Ramirez who was 4, 48, and 3. There you go. In his next fight, he fought someone named Dex Spellman there you go. who was 16 and 4. Then he fought Lyndon Arthur uh, who he lost to by split decision. Two fights later, he knocked out Arthur. So his last, I'm looking it up right now, 6, 8, uh, his last 9 fights I think it is or... Uh, yeah 10 maybe his last 10 wins have come by knockout but none of them have come against That's someone at a high level right but I'm just trying to make the point that this is not puncher versus puncher no. like better is knocking out uh Alexander Vostik, he is knocking impressive. out Joe Smith Very he's knocking impressive. out Marcus Brown and Very you're right impressive. the Smith fight was something of an aberration because you don't see better BF pick up a lot of early round knockouts. Mm-hmm. He he usually wears guys down with his pressure and with his heavy hands, just like he did with Vostick, who was undefeated and a world champion at that time. Marcus Brown, pretty high-level guy at that time. Mm-hmm. Just wears them down over the course of the fight. I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think it's going to be a first or second round knockout unless, unless Yard... Practices what he preaches because yard's talking about banging in this fight, like he's talking about you know, cracking with better BF. That would be suicide, a that would be that boxing would be, suicide.
4: That, that would be the end of his career if he decides to do this. Because yard, you know, he, he's he's he has good talent, he has good hand speed, he has he has a uh, defense, he's athletic, he is strong, he does have pop. He's not a crushing puncher, but he has pop and he's a smart, he has a good fight IQ, all right, and he has a, a long, strong jab, it's pretty educated. He's gonna do well against Betterbeev, just like he was doing well against uh, Kovalev when he had his moments, and and he was able to, you know. Uh, Kovalev
1: uh, was at the back end of his career, and even though Betterbeev is older, he's, he's still a crusher,
4: still a champion, and and
1: yeah, but he had been knocked out before uh, by Aledier Alvarez. Like he, Kovalev was not the crusher he that he still we won. Knew. He did win, that, but that's kind of the problem. Like, that's literally sort of my he problem. Goes, with Anthony So what are you Yard. trying to say?
4: He wasn't what he used to, but he still won.
1: Yes, he still won, and that and that is the only example we have of Anthony Yard fighting at. The, the highest yard is not gonna boxing.
4: bang with better BF. So whatever get that out of the equation. Said. Look, this is how it's being. He's built. gonna, he's gonna come out. Look, what I am gonna tell you is, yard wins that first round. Okay. Yard wins that first round. Second one might be close. Third one he might, you know, be close. I see him winning two out of the first five rounds, and then after that, it's gonna start getting, it's gonna start getting violent. And once he starts getting hit in the shoulders, and he can't move as much anymore, he's getting cornered against the ropes. He's gonna be uh, uh, in the He's going to be back against the ropes more than he wants to, and he can't keep the fight in the middle of the ring. That's when better be if, and his power is going to uh, overwhelm him.
1: All right, let's talk about the fight that we're calling this weekend. Alexis Rocha, George Ashey, YouTube Theater uh, in Los Angeles. That's a fight that's going to air on DAZN. Rocha is an interesting prospect slash contender. It was just back in 2020 that he lost his first fight, a decision defeat to Rashidi Ellis, a legitimate loss. Ellis won that fight. Uh, clean Rocha though has come back he's won five fights in a row he's climbed the rankings he ranks I believe third in I want to say the WBO rankings he's in the top 15 in the WBA he's got some momentum right now uh, behind his career let's start here the fighter we're going to see on Saturday how different is he from the fighter we saw lose to Rashidi Ellis have you seen improvements from Alexis Rocha over the last two and a half years
4: uh, stylistically, I think we, we have the same fighter. I mean, he 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 had his moments against Ellis. It's just Ellis was a very special talent, very fast, and and you have to have a game plan against a fighter like Ellis. You can't just you know do what you did in your past fights that were successful. Uh, so he came up short with Ellis. Okay, no shame there. Now, he has five straight wins, you know, a couple by knockout, and he's been doing it with smart pressure, not neglecting the jab. Once once he's in the inside, he's not just loading up with the same punch. He's, he's throwing right hooks, right uppercuts, and then digging down to the body, cutting off the ring a little bit more. But that's not... Stylistically, that he changed. It's just now he has confidence. When you when you come up short, you realize, okay, where did I come up short? I didn't cut off the ring against Ellis. I didn't throw enough punches. I didn't throw enough combinations. I let him slip out to the left. I need to throw more left hands that way and keep him here. More body shots. These are things that you just you know you you register in the, in your next fight. You 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 implement that. That's what he did. So he he's he's been the goods. Even even as an amateur, he's been the goods. He's he's one of these talented gifted fighters he just came up short against an exceptional athletic talent undefeated in Ellis no shame there and that's the main thing that that I want to touch on here Rocha is the same fighter he was when he lost to Ellis but he's not the same man if that makes sense anybody else would have taken that loss and he would they would have felt felt sorry for themselves I shouldn't have lost that way I shouldn't have came up short you know before a championship I, I lost my zero Rocha is happy that he lost that undefeated zero he didn't like the pressure of it you know and 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 he's only gotten better so that that L on his record is for learning instead of uh, losing that's how you that that's character for you that that's mentality that's maturity that's the type of mentality you have to have to get back to a championship or get back get to a championship when you've come up short getting to a championship
1: what I like about Rocha to your point is he did just kind of pick himself back up and get back into the mix he fought I think eight months after that loss Mm -hmm. Uh, to Rashidi Ellis, and he has fought five times already since that defeat. Whereas Ellis, he's only had two fights. He had one round in a fight like a year or so ago, and then he had that recent defeat on the PPC card. And inactivity kills a fighter. And Alexis Roach has been active, and I think he's benefited uh, greatly uh, from that. So he's now in a position, Sergio, where in the next year or so, he's probably going to get a world title opportunity. Are we looking at a world champion in Alexis Roach? Yes,
4: yes. He has the amateur pedigree. He has the, the right promoter. He has the right matchmakers, the right team, the right coach, and Hector Lopez. And he comes from a uh, boxing family. His younger brother, Ronnie Reels, you know, title challenger. He has all the, all the things that you need to check to be a world champion, and he still has the hunger. He still has the youth, and he's getting better. So, yes, and like you like to say, once those welterweight uh, belts fracture, you know once they 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 they're they ripped from the hands of Spence and Crawford which is very soon guys like Boots Sanders are going to be fighting for him Virgil Ortiz and guess who else is in line Alexis Rocha you know, if Conor Ben gets his stuff together, I can see him getting a crack at a welterweight. And those title.
1: belts may have already fractured at this point. Spence in his next fight is going to fight at 154 pounds. I just have a hard time seeing a fighter like him come back to 147 to defend his titles against like a Boots Ennis or a Virgil Ortiz. Dude, I Rocha, don't think Rocha No, I'm saying uh, Spence coming oh, back down. No, no way, but Rocha will. Down. But this is what I'm talking about. So I'm getting to. So you know, Boots Ennis has a belt at 147 right now. It's an interim title. I expect that title to become a full title in the next six months. You've got the Ortiz-Stanionis fight that's going to happen in late April. Uh, I expect the winner of that fight to be the full title holder. You know what I'd like to see, Sergio? I'd like to see Rocha fight on the undercard of Stanionis versus Ortiz. I'd like to see him be the co-main event Mm -hmm. of that fight against a credible former world title holder, former world title challenger, because that's kind of a whole in his resume right now. It's not for lack of trying. You know, as, as often happens with young fighters, Roach's team, Golden Boy, they have tried to make a more significant fight for him. Guys just aren't, aren't all that interested in getting in the ring. But he needs um, that former title holder on his resume. I'd like to see him get that fight in April on the undercard of that Ortiz fight. And if Ortiz comes out of it, and that's no easy task, uh, but if Ortiz comes out of that, and if Roach comes out of that, suddenly Golden Boy has on their hands an easy-to-make world title fight. You can do Ortiz against Rocha, either in Texas or in Southern California. You can do it in some good places that will sell tickets, and that, to me, is a great fight. I don't know if Rocha can win that fight because Ortiz is a beast, but that, right now, with both those guys in their mid-20s, that's a great fight.
4: Great fight, but uh, a couple of things stand out. One, Rocha already got the limelight of being the headliner. He did it against Blair Cobbs, and now he's going to get it in his next fight this Saturday. So once you're the headliner, you don't want to relegate yourself to be the co Don't Don't interrupt me, Mannix. I'm your guest. I'm
1: getting to the point, though. Doesn't he strike you, though, as a guy? Yes, and that's that's what I was about to say. That's
4: where character comes in. That's where his team comes in. That's where Hector Lopez comes in. That's where the Golden Boy matchmakers come in. That's where the promoter comes in. That's where he says, I don't care. I just want to fight. Just like he did after his loss, he picked himself up by his bootstraps, and he said, I'm just going to fight whoever they put in front of me. Joe Schmoe, I don't care. I'm knocking him out. And he's gone through five, and now he has this opportunity where he's headlining again. He's the type of guy that would swallow his pride, because pride means nothing in boxing, swallow his pride just to get to the goal. And the goal is these names that we just mentioned. So if it means fighting on a a popular undercard, and and Virgil Ortiz Jr. is not a, a, a nationwide popular fighter, but he is in Texas. And he has a lot of eyeballs on him. He has that 100% knockout ratio. If you can be the co-main event to that and have a knockout, an impressive win, and the winner of that fight has an impressive win, there it is. That is how you promote a fight. That's how you keep yourself in in the loop instead of being prideful and saying, nah, I'm a main event guy. I'll wait and be inactive. Ro- Bullshit.
1: Rocha, Rocha strikes me as someone who's opportunistic you know you go back to the fight in the spring where ortiz dropped out against Mike. use Kinson. another word
4: oppor- opportunistic means a little bit too uh nah, it's not bougie no, no it's, it is it's not. i think he's hungry no That's but he knows difference. he, he knows and oppor- opportunistic he, listen
1: hear me out he senses when an opportunity is in front of him like when he got bumped up to the main event uh to fight blair Cobbs back in the spring he knew that was a big moment he went out fought brilliantly Put together the biggest win of his career on the biggest stage. This fight. That was up, confidence and
4: the right place at the right, right time. But
1: this fight coming up this weekend, this wasn't Alexis Rocha's date. This was Ryan Garcia's date. Golden Boy calls him five weeks ago and says, Hey, we can do a fight for you on 128. He says, Yes, give me whoever you got. It was originally Anthony Young, you know, fine fighter coming off that win against Saddam Ali a couple of years ago. Um, so Young drops out. All of a sudden, you got George Ashy. Rocha knows the value of staying busy and staying front and center in front of people and moving up the rankings as well. So I, that's a long way of saying I don't think you would have a problem fighting on Virgil Ortiz's undercard. I really don't okay,
4: think so. Okay, but you're a man of words, supposedly. Opportunistic yes. just seems... Uh, I, it seems negative me so get your thesaurus and there's another word that's actually uh, not, positive that's a positive that can be word. compliment to uh, a hung a hungry fighter not opportunistic that just seems you are negative. opportunistic
1: because you're sitting here with me and listening to an audience of hundreds of thousands of people so no
4: you're the one that keeps begging me to be on your <laughs> show because you know that i bring the ratings and what's up with the sofa see look at how they're paying you now you go to living spaces and get a brand new sofa for your show it's for YouTube. I bring the numbers, baby. We're on YouTube. You know that, right? We're we're big on YouTube these days.
1: Um, all right, a couple more things I want to get to. Edgar Berlanga is now a free agent. Keith Adick and I talked about this last week. Uh, he separated from Top Rank. Uh, he is now fielding offers from all of the top promoters, whether it's Golden Boy, Matchroom, uh, t- uh not Top Rank, obviously. Golden Boy, Matchroom, PBC, uh, certainly in that mix. His agent or his manager, Keith Conley, is running point on all that. I've been told there's not going to be a decision reached for at least a couple of weeks. Um, They're going to figure this out and then get him back in the ring sometime soon after. But if you read your Belanga, who would you sign with? What promotional outfit, what what path makes the most sense?
4: Every fighter that has reached the end of a contract has been in this position, and you have to go where the money is. So whatever promoter is going to offer you the best deal. You want the shortest amount of years— but the most amount of money and, and guarantees in fights and and guarantee you know your your pay goes up if if your opponents go up in championship and so on and so forth. So is gonna pay more, one. But if our team Berlanga, if I was in charge of his management, I would get him out of New York. And hear me out here, Mannix. You know, once once you're once you reach your your peak in that in that you know, in the East Coast, in, in, in New York, in Philadelphia, you got to branch out, man. You got to become more than that. We know that those are big, major boxing hubs, but you got to go somewhere else. You either got to go to Texas or California if you're an East Coast boy. That's where you're going to get hungry, young fighters that 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 aren't about the swag, aren't about that East Coast. Aren't, they're not about that culture. It's about working hard, sparring hard, and once the, that, that that phone rings, you're ready to fight. I think Berlanga needs to get out of the East Coast. You know, I, I just don't I don't I don't like the the tension he gets in New York City. I don't like the the, the swag that, that he has. He's al- he's already had some bad performances. That should be a wake-up call before he tastes a loss. So he should get out of that element and go to a, a place where there's a, just hungry fighters. LA, San Antonio, Houston. You know, that's where I think he needs to go. Go west, young man, like those 49ers digging for gold in the 1800s. All right, y- y- go are west. Done?
1: Are you done? You've already y- your first sentence defeated your point. You said, you know, a fighter that has peaked in a certain area. He hasn't peaked anywhere. He is starting to draw crowds in New York City, which is not nothing. There's only a handful of fighters in boxing that can draw a sellout or close to sellout crowd at the Hulu Theater in New York. That's a real thing. That's why Top Rank wanted to hang on to him. So, I think the exact opposite. And how, and, and of what how
4: he has made. he looked in the, in the last couple of performances? It's, it's
1: not about that. I'm not talking. No, it to, is about that. No, we're having. He are having two different discussions. You want him to go train in California. That's a great idea. Like I, I'm fine with that. Go try different styles. Right. Go to different camps. Do all that. But when it comes down to fighting, you stay in New York City. You build your fan base up to the point okay. where maybe you become Miguel Cotto in, in like okay. 10, five years when you can you consistently go. sell out Madison Square Garden. I can, take, I can
4: accept guard. that but I would love to see Berlanga in Southern California or in Las Vegas training. One of those two places. Training there is fine.
1: Fighting, you stay in New York, keep building up your brand. Now, back to the original question of who he should sign with. Um, PBC has the top guys at 168. They've got Caleb Plant. They've got David Benavides. They're working right now with Demetrius Andrade. If you want to fight a top guy, that's where you go. I don't get the sense that Berlanga wants that right now. You know, He still is in that prospect-slash-contender phase where he's not on the elite level at that point. So, I don't think he's looking... He could still sign with PBC, but I don't think he's looking to take a Plant-Benavidez-Andre-type fight, at least not in the next year. The promoter that makes the most sense to me, at least on paper, is Golden Boy. Because Golden Boy's got Jaime Munguia. And a Jaime Munguia-Edgar Berlanga fight, while not being a fight featuring two of the best in their respective weight classes, is a fun fight, and it's an incredibly marketable fight. Whether you do it in Southern California and get those Mexican fans or you do it in New York and get those Puerto Rican fans, Mexico versus Puerto Rico is big. And that is a rock'em, sock'em robot fight for as long as it lasts. I that, That's what I like. So if Golden Boy can come up with the money to offer Berlanga some kind of like Demetrius Ballard-type fight to shake the rust off and get back into the ring with the promise and the guarantee that you've got a Munguia fight at the end of the year, that's a pretty damn good year for Edgar Berlanga. Uh,
4: For Berlanga and Keith Conley, who manages them, they're going to run into two things. Uh, I would go to PBC because that's where the champions are. And you're going to make a lot of money in PBC, but you're not going to be as active. So you gotta choose do you want the money and the inactivity or do you want the activity and the I think the there with Munguia, money though. The money's gonna be there. Yeah, but with you're Munguia. not gonna get Mungia up right off the bat. You're gonna probably have That'd to fight be... once, maybe twice, and those paydays aren't gonna be what you're gonna okay, get. Okay, but you do Demetrius you Ballard in New
1: York and you know you, This you... is what you gotta
4: decide. Do you want money or do you want activity? That's, I don't that's think what they're w- mutually
1: exclusive. I think you could have both.
4: Uh, listen, I've signed with PBC and I signed with Golden Boy, I could tell you. I signed with Ludo Bell. I've been all over the place. I, I can know, tell yeah. you the difference. Some are going to keep money
1: before that's A the- lot
4: of it. Uh, <laughs> you're either going to be active and get a little bit less money, or you're going to be inactive and get paid a lot of money. Okay, so you got to make that choice. What,
1: all right. So, y- well, what would you do? Like, if it, I was
4: Berlanga, I would go to where the titles are, and that's PBC. Yeah, but
1: he's not. Go- like, my point is, like, he's not in a position right now where I think he wants to fight for titles. I, I don't think he's.
4: He's not far away from it. He already, what, he's, 19 he's and top 0? five
1: in, in some of these rankings. I get that. But I think he's one or two fights away next, from a championship. Sergio, at least for the next year, we're talking short term contract here. I'm not talking to a three year deal. Two years. I'm, I'm two, not even talking years. that. I'm talking a two fight deal with Golden Boy. I'm saying you do Berlang. You do the Berlang- fight with somebody like Ballard. Golden and Boy will go for that. All right, well, whatever. Then you don't do it with him. And then you do a Munguia fight. And if he can find a way to beat Munguia, you know what's waiting at the end of that rainbow? Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez could be at the end of that rainbow in 2024. Because Berlanga would be very highly ranked if he beat Munguia. And if you're Canelo and you're looking around for a marketable fight, maybe one that's not especially tough, Berlanga might be out there. That's a loco. good fight in New
4: York. Estas loco, man. Get the fuck out of here, man. In the Why words of Canelo I'm Alvarez.
1: Sounding like Scarface?
4: No, it's Canelo when he was talking to Demetrius Andre, but look, I think you're wrong there. I think if you if you want somebody that that's a, a popular fighter, Canelo's not gonna go for Berlanga in New York. Berlanga's not known anywhere o- outside of New York. He goes for a John Ryder across the pond, you know, p- promoted, put in front of 40,000 fans. That's what you do whenever you're 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 thinking like a promoter, thinking like a superstar. You don't go for a a dangerous up and comer like Berlanga. Even if Berlanga does beat Mungia. I think it's it's not the way to go. Berlanga should be focusing on whether, like I said, activity or then belts. The belts are with PBC. I could see him fighting, you know, a, a faded Darrell. I could see him fighting, you know, he a former a belt listen you said a two-fight deal right right yes. i could see him fighting a, f- a faded former champion and then getting uh, a winner of a, like a plant a benavides or even even a charlo i could see i could see a charlo uh stepping up and, and and fighting a berlanga a guy that has power but is not proven that doesn't hasn't gone through the fire that's already been somewhat exposed uh, if you want to say that you know uh I can totally see one of these champions going out for him. I just think the number one thing he needs to do, Maddox, is get out of New York. I've seen too many fighters. Get
1: out of New York to train, not to I've fight. I've seen
4: too many fighters stay in the same place and then get uh, eaten up. They get they get eaten up by the the, the their, either their friends, the, the, the nightlife, the popularity, all that stuff. They get eaten alive. Look at Curtis Stevens, man. He was supposed to be a big deal out of New York got you know he he, he didn't pan out look at look at Jadon Codrington these guys were like the got
1: his opportunity never became a
4: champion man right
1: but that's because he wasn't he didn't have what it takes he got opportunities against David Lemieux he got opportunities against Gennady Golovkin he had opportunities and it just didn't work out it's not that he didn't get them fighting out of New York in fact he built himself into a you know second tier star fighting in New York
4: I w- you asked me, and I'm your guest. What would That's I true. do? Yes. I would get out of New York. New York has a lot of swag. It has a lot of culture. It has a lot of like we can take on the world type. Nah, man, you can't take a uh, uh, you can't take on everybody. You got to get out of that little mindset. If you're a big fish in a small pond. Go somewhere where there's big dogs that are just training 100%, like 100% hungry, waiting for that phone call. You're going to get guys like that in, in Southern California, in Las Vegas, somewhere in Texas, but he needs to get out of New York. That's my advice.
1: All right. I want to ask you about something Deontay Wilder said um, in the past week. Uh, Wilder was speaking with Eli Seckbach on his YouTube channel, and he was talking about the upcoming Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk fight, which we believe is going to get finalized over the next month or so. Uh, Wilder said, quote, that's a 50-50 fight. Depends on who's going to cheat the hardest. (laughs) That's what it is. It depends (laughs) on who's going to cheat the hardest. Uh, Sergio, it's not surprising that Wilder is once again targeting Tyson Fury with cheating allegations. But now he's lumping in Alexander Usyk. Now he's bringing Usyk into this, a former Olympic gold medalist who, to my knowledge, has not had so much as a whiff of uh, controversy around him regarding Mm. uh, performance-enhancing drugs. What is Deontay Wilder doing?
4: Being himself i mean look at what happened when he got knocked out by tyson fury he brought up every excuse in the book and this is what happens when you when you have a a fighter that 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 carries himself like a god and that's what he does the way he comes out into the ring the way the way he talks you know the way he carries himself and good for him it works for him but once fighters like that get beaten not even beaten but knocked out and embarrassed they 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 take they they get that aura taken away from them, Mannix, and they're not the same. Think Mike Tyson, you know. Think uh, think uh, even on a lower level, James Kirkland. Think of uh, any puncher, George Foreman. Any puncher that gets finally beaten, they need to pick themselves up and be- because they're not, they know they're not. Uh, they can be stopped, you know. So. Uh, Whenever it comes to power, anytime that's not enough for you, you got to find something else. Deontay Wilder started late in boxing, so power got him a long way, that long jab, his size. Only heavyweights could get get, uh, away with that. But now that he has been knocked out, now that he has been on the losing side more than once, he needs to regroup. He can't be pointing fingers anymore. He's a man in his mid-30s. He's already made a boatload of money. He's ahead of the game, Uh, 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 an Olympian, a bronze medalist, a world champion, a multimillionaire. Why are you pointing fingers and uh, accusing people of cheating? That's a character flaw. That's a character flaw, and that's something that he needs to stop doing, man. He just he needs to get back in the gym. He needs to start knocking guys out again, and just being himself without accusing people of things that that aren't proven. That just that just makes you look bad. That makes you know the bronze bomber look bad. He shouldn't be doing that.
1: I like Deontay Wilder a lot, and I've got a long history with him that dates back to the 2008 Olympics when I covered him. Before that, I've been down to Alabama multiple times I've written multiple magazine stories on Deontay Wilder I've always found him to be a really thoughtful guy and frankly a high character guy who has done a lot of things that you respect particularly how he did everything he could early on in his career to make sure his family specifically his daughter who was born with spina bifida was taken care of had all the right medical treatments that that she needed but I gotta be honest Deontay Wilder to me is really tarnishing his legacy. You know, with some of the things he's been saying over the last
4: Reputation for sure. Legacy set. Right. Reputation. Maybe.
1: Reputation, legacy, they're kind of intertwined to me. Like he he just has gone off the deep end with some of this stuff. Now, if you want to say Tyson Fury is a drug cheat, well, there was no evidence of it in the build-up or in the aftermath of the three fights he had with Wilder, but Fury's had his own history of uh, drug use in the past. So there's at least a loose connection to that. You can make one. But, you know, when he started releasing those videos of, you know, Fury looking like he was wearing his gloves differently or someone in Fury's corner kind of manipulating the gloves, that was crazy. He blamed his former trainer, Mark that, Breland, that was for spiking his drink at one point. And now he's going after Usyk, who has been, by all accounts, a clean athlete for his entire career, who has done nothing but take on top challenge after top challenge. Like, now we're going after Alexander Usik. Usyk. I don't get it. I don't know what is going through the mind of Deontay Wilder these days. And I wish, you know, he does these interviews and they're fine, but he's not doing them with anyone going to push back. And I'd like to just be like, Deontay, if you're going to call Usyk a cheater, where's your evidence? Like, what what, ba- what, are you basing that on? Because there's nothing. There's nothing to base that on right now. And I hate to see this with Wilder because he has been and always will be one of the biggest punchers in the heavyweight division. He is most likely going to go into the Hall of Fame on that first ballot. But, man, he is going to be remembered, Sergio, for this. This, this conduct over the last couple of years is going to be a stink attached to him, and I don't think it's a necessary one for him to have.
4: I agree, and that all comes down to character. And, and, and guys like that that are accustomed to knocking out everybody, when they come up short, they have to blame people. Actually, any professional fighter, once they once they lose on the championship level, they need to find out, why did they lose? Well, it must have been my trainer's fault. It must have been uh, my manager's fault, my promoter's fault. They have to blame somebody. You blame that, the
1: trainer, but don't say the trainer spiked
4: your drink. Like that, that was nuts, man. Mark Breland is one of the most respected not only guy. not only as a boxer, as a gold medalist, as a champion, but as a trainer. I mean, no, that that was wrong. And Mark Breland, by wrong. the way, that that very influential
1: wrong. in the success of Deontay Wilder. Absolutely, JD's helped discover him, did a great job. But Mark Breland, no, came no, in. no,
4: Mark Breland, that's what did. Go, it.
1: Look, but yeah, I get JD. You a could come, MVP. you
4: could come a long way as a heavyweight with a simp, with a jab, jab and a right, and a right hand. A right that's hand. it, You're right? And that's You're what right. Mark Breland had. You're right. And, and, and Wilder came a long way with the limited ability on the late start uh, that he had. And now that he came up short after 40-plus fights and, and all the money in the world, he needed to blame somebody. And not only did he blame somebody, he blamed a lot of somebodies and a lot of things. That's, that's just him having to convince himself because he needs to blame somebody for him coming up short. That's a character flaw. You talk about his character and, and what he's done on his personal life, That's great. I'm not saying that the man doesn't have character. I'm just saying as a fighter, he needs to really correct himself. He needs to only blame himself. That's real character when you could uh, uh, reflect on yourself. That's that's all introspective. That's when you actually become a real man and mature. It's like, you know what? I need to stop blaming people. It's my fault. Let me get back to work. Let me get back to the world title fight. I'm not going to blame anybody but myself. That's character.
1: Losing to Fury, by the way, is not some stain on his record like he lost to a generationally good heavyweight and he had that heavyweight down multiple times in the last couple of fights
4: but his pride won't let him get past that and that is somewhat of a character flaw that that's pride You know, when you can't swallow your pride to actually chase what you're actually going for, you're hindering yourself. That's immaturity. So he needs to get past that. He got knocked out by the better fighter. He got beaten by the better fighter. Not once, not twice, but three times. Yeah, well, twice at least. He got beat. That's it. You got you lost to the better man who happens to be the heavyweight champion of the world. Like you said, no shame there. Now go knock out the second best heavyweight in the world. Go knock out the third and fourth. You're still going to be the man. You're still going to be one of the hardest, scariest punchers. You're still going to be bo- uh, the bronze bomber, bomb squad, everyone following you. But you need to stop pointing fingers because that diminishes your the aura that you created as a huge puncher.
1: All right. Last thing. You want to react to a little breaking news here? On the podcast sure I am going to give you a fight that I'm told is happening in the first quarter of 2023 uh, Zerto Ramirez is back in training with plans to uh, fight again at 175 uh, he was last seen losing to Dimitri Bivol over in Abu Dhabi uh, but he is back and his opponent in his first fight back Gabe Rosado who I'm told is at wild card right now training with Freddie Roach for that fight. Your thoughts?
4: I don't like that fight, and I don't like, uh, I don't like the way that Gabriel Rosado's career is, is ending. I mean, he started boxing late. He didn't have many amateur fights, so I can see why he had so many losses, you know, uh, coming up. But now he has over a, a dozen losses. Now his, his scar tissue doesn't hold up. Now he's been stopped. Now we know what Gabriel Rosado is. He's, he's, he's not a journeyman. He's more of a gatekeeper, more respectable gatekeeper. He's not he's not a a a, a fighter that can't win a championship. He's just a fighter that that couldn't cross that. He could compete with champions. So he was just, he's one of these, these guys that that that's a blue-collared, hardworking, tough guy, but never became a champion. And he's 35 years old already. He's already been stopped. He's already been bloody, he's already been beaten convincingly. What what is he gonna do against a bigger, stronger champion in Sudo Ramirez? There's there's no win in that. The only thing that he's winning is another paycheck, another another fight, but it's not gonna be a good look for him, especially after Rosado has already you know mentioned retiring. Anytime you bring up the R word, you already won couple times. You already one foot out the door. So that's dangerous when you're a fighter when you're already thinking about retirement. No good. You've already been bloodied and cut up and 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 and, and beat up plenty of times in your career. Yes, you're a warrior, but you only have so many wars in you. I hate this idea cuz Sudo Ramirez is a volume active bigger puncher. He's going to be way bigger and then once he once he uh uh, uh rehydrates he's going to be 30 pounds heavier uh-huh. than Gabe. I don't like this fight for him. I, we just see Gabriel Rosado going in the wrong direction after the tough guy legacy and the wars that he's given us—he's the people's champ, man. He's the people's champ. Why are you still hanging around in your in your mid-thirties just for a paycheck? No, you made um, enough I'm money. To remember,
1: has Gabe even fought at one seventy-five before. Like
4: no, but he's a, big, he's a big. He's, he he's not a he was that big.
1: He was a fifty-four for a long time. He was a huge fifty-four. Huge he was 54. a big
4: big sixty-pounder, and he can hang as a sixty-eight-pounder. Right, but cause.
1: seventy-five against a guy that's going to weigh two bills no, 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 is that's a, a different long, story. Because Gabe's not a
4: puncher. Go. He wasn't oh. even a puncher at 154.
1: Look, if you listen to people around Gabe Rosado, and I've asked a few this week, one thing they'll tell you is that, look, he he felt he had a terrible camp going into that fight against Ali Akbadov. Um He changed up his team. He's back with Freddie full-time. He went with a new strength and conditioning coach. All the things you hear when a guy loses a fight. But the reality, Sergio, is he's lost three straight. He's lost four out of five. He's lost five out of seven. If not for that you know, one-punch spectacular knockout win over a Bectomir which, give him credit for, that was a big shot, um, he would have been on a five-fight losing streak right now. I, I just... That screams walk away. And now to move yeah. up to a bigger weight class... I understand why I uh, Zerto wants it. I get that, because it's a relatively easy comeback fight uh, against a guy who still has a name, but... Unless the pay is enormous, and I can't believe that it is, I don't know why Gabe Rosado is doing this.
4: I don't either, unless it's need, and I doubt it's need because Gabe live, lives well. Uh, if I have to say why, it's a fighting spirit, and, and every, every great warrior has... That 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 warrior in him, where they think they have one more fight, one more fight, and as long as they keep getting opportunities, and as long as they're not getting brutally beaten down or knocked out, they think, okay, well, I had a bad camp, I changed my trainer. Rosado's changed his trainer so many times I forgot. <laughs> yes. You know, he's had so many yeah, uh, reinventions Bristow, that I forgot. Hey, he's had so many different uh, places of training from from the east coast to the west coast to all over the place. That's not it, man. I just think it's 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 his own conviction that's gonna get him hurt it's the fact that he's so adamant of of being hungry and a warrior and I can do it you know I can knock out someone like this and get another big payday that's gonna get him hurt
1: he's had a very good career but and I say this respectfully to him that career should be over he should be doing other things uh, and not putting himself in position to get hurt against a big strong puncher like Zerto Ramirez who volume puncher volume puncher so uh, maybe he can fight you in a seniors tour. Uh, senior hey, listen, tour.
4: I, I like Gabe, and if I ever come back, that's the type of fighter I, I would come back to. Or Jake, Paul, do of people?
1: Course. No, <laughs> can I just? Can we just tell people that I was at a club show in Boston uh, last weekend, and I ran into Peter Manfredo. Or and Peter Manfredo. Peter Manfredo. And Peter Manfredo wanted me to tell you that once he gets, like, some nerve issue dealt with in his leg, he's ready to man, go. Man, you Boston Whether...
4: boys all take care of each other, man. You I want, would wipe You want the, the fight. I would wipe the floor with Peter Manfredo for a fourth time because I beat him in the National Golden Gloves. I beat him twice as a professional. He wants it. He can get it. Come on, Petey. 2023. You Boston boys are ridiculous.
1: And when we come back, my conversation with Oscar De La Hoya. Well, the NFL Conference Championships are this Sunday and you can enjoy more thrills than a two-minute drill on FanDuel. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or have already started an account because they're giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay. That means you'll get bonus bets back if your Conference Championship same-game parlay doesn't hit. Bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to which player will score a touchdown. Or if you can't decide, you can ride with thousands of other fans and bet popular same-game parlays already made for you. New to FanDuel? Sign up with the promo code BOXING to see for yourself why it's America's number one sportsbook. And if you already have FanDuel, you can start building your no-sweat same-game parlay today. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, joining me now, the Golden Boy himself, Oscar De La Hoya, founder, CEO, Golden Boy Promotions. He and Golden Boy will kick off the 2023 DAZN U.S. schedule on Saturday when Alexis Rocha, one of the better young fighters at 147 pounds, he returns at the YouTube theater against George Ashey, who is a late replacement uh, for Anthony Young. So, Oscar, let's let's just start right there. Um, People probably look at George Ashley's box rack and be like oh this is going to be a walkover fight but like when you have a late replacement which I'm sure you've experienced at different times in your career what kind of adjustment is that for a fighter
5: well for for Rocha obviously it's it's very unfortunate because he's been training for uh for his previous opponent but um I'm actually a little worried about uh about Ashley because um when I hear the name when I hear the name and from Ghana um you you have to you have to worry these fighters um are always in shape they come to fight uh ashley's never been stopped which obviously uh, uh tells you a lot uh, about his uh, about his stamina about his chin um about his desire to win but that's what that's what fighters from ghana are i mean they're fighters who have a lot of heart so it should be a very entertaining fight i think that uh that rocha has to make a lot of adjustments but I think the fact that Rocha is a fighter who comes forward, who throws a lot of punches, who wants to give – the fans a great show because he's from he's fighting in L.A. He's fighting in his hometown. But I'll tell you one thing. I think Ashley is going to give him a run for his money. It's going to be a good fight. I
1: hope he comes to fight, Oscar, because yeah. I, I do have some PTSD from Emmanuel Tego there who, <laughs> did, who said he was going to come to fight
5: <laughs> and then didn't come well, to fight. So I, yeah, well, yeah. He, he, he felt Ryan's power and so <laughs> – he had no choice but to run
1: <laughs> <laughs> i want to ask you about ryan in a minute but keeping it with rocha um 5 and 0 oh since that loss to Rashidi Ellis yeah. has been climbing the rankings i think he's number 3 right now in the wbo rankings top 15 in i think it's wba as well what have you seen from him in the aftermath of that loss to ellis
5: um a, a lot of a lot of maturity i've uh, i've seen in him the the fire that maybe uh that maybe wasn't there when he fought uh, when he fought Rashidi Alice, You know, and I was actually hoping we can get that rematch with Rashidi Alice. but as we as we saw a few weeks ago, he got knocked out. But um I think Rocha has more confidence. I think Rocha now knows what it takes to be at the top level. He's climbing the ladder, he's knocking on the door. I think uh, I think in the next two or three fights he'll be fighting for a world title.
1: So You know, an easy one to make would probably be a matchup with Virgil Ortiz. If Virgil can beat Stanionis, and I I think we all are kind of looking at Spence and saying he's probably not going to come back to 147. I don't know. That could be a full title by the summer. Um, How do you feel about a Rocha-Ortiz fight at the end of this year?
5: Um, If if, if Rocha keeps winning, um, maybe if he wins – a, a title eliminator, but look, Rocha is is like I said, knocking on the door of of everyone. Um, he's right there uh, in line to 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 fight the very best. Uh, but look, Virgil Ortiz, everybody wants to see him fight. Um, you know, uh, the very best, the top of the top, uh, the creme de la creme, right? Like the like they say, uh, like uh, Crawford, um, the Spences of this world. We want to go after uh, Keith Thurman if that's possible. We want to fight the very best, but it doesn't mean that a Rocha versus Virgil Ortiz fight cannot happen. Um, at the end of the year or possibly next year.
1: All right. So the co-main event of this card is is going to feature mm-hmm. Floyd Schofield. Who, when I talk to people around Golden Boy, you seem pretty excited about this guy. Look, you guys oh, yeah. have had some. You guys have had some success kind of unearthing these these fighters whether it is canelo sure. from a decade ago ryan garcia who wasn't necessarily an olympian but turned out to be a big time star right.
5: uh how do you see scofield um he's he's probably all around uh the best fighter that uh i've scouted in, in many years including Including scouting Canelo, including scouting Ryan, and 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 uh, and you know and and you know Virgil Ortiz, I believe, is probably the closest to what Schofield's potential is. You know, Virgil Ortiz ha- is a, is an all around great fighter. He does it all. He does it great. Uh, Schofield is a special specimen. He um, not only is a hard worker. He has a great story. Um, you know, if if you follow him, uh, he was homeless with his father. Uh, for many years and uh, just the way he grew up around the sport is just, it's pretty special. But what he does inside the ring is, is, uh, is, is literally mind boggling. He's um, he's above the rest when it comes to his training, he's looking great. He's doing the right things. And so when I put him up um, uh, in Palm Springs uh, in his last outing against a fighter, who's never been knocked out again, who's uh, you know, he, uh, Schofield was supposed to look good. But I didn't think he was gonna look great. Schofield looked uh, amazing, and um, he was explosive. He's great on his feet. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm calling Schofield uh, the next big thing uh, uh, for for years to come. I think that uh, at 12 and 0, um, if he gets past, um, if he gets past uh, Alberto Mercado from Puerto Rico, I think, uh, I think that we, uh, and he does it in a spectacular fashion because. I want my fighters to win, not just to win, but win in a spectacular fashion. That's when you get known. That's when you build up. That's when you become a name. So, uh, you know, Floyd gets it. I think Floyd is uh, one of those fighters who is technical, who is uh, who throws a lot of punches, but his footwork is unbelievable. So I, I, uh, I see big things for Floyd.
1: Does he remind you of anyone from years past?
5: I literally think he reminds me of me um, the, uh, the footwork on his toes, the punches and bunches. And when he has you hurt, when he smells the, 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 you know, he goes for the kill, you know, when he smells that blood he goes for the kill. So I think Floyd has, uh, has, has something special going on for himself. So I think, uh, I think like I'm going out of my way here. I think that Floyd, um, is, is going to be, a, a a very, very dangerous fighter uh, for many world champions uh, in the near future. Oh, we
1: all know you love fighters named Floyd, right? Like you're, you're I, I love yeah. Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> um you've had about a week now to digest the contract uh that was sent to Golden Boy for the Ryan Garcia Tank Davis fight. Where are
5: we with that? Well let me uh let me uh let me tell the world um that I feel very, very confident the fight is going to happen. I strongly feel that um, the animosity aside from the buildup aside from these guys being in their prime uh, these guys being young uh, reminds me of when I fought Trinidad we were both what like maybe 26 years old um you know world champions on top of the world it reminds me of Ryan and, and and tank so uh we are we are very very close um It's just the details, you know, the devil's in the details. And um, it's just a matter of uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. But uh, I feel very confident this fight will be uh, the biggest, biggest fight uh, in in recent years.
1: How concerned are you, if at all, about this upcoming trial that Tank Davis is facing in Baltimore? A trial that has already attempted to have been settled. There, There was... An agreement. The judge decided the agreement didn't offer a severe enough punishment. How concerned are you that that could at least temporarily derail this fight?
5: Sure, I'm. I'm not. I don't know details of of, of the trial, or or, but um, we uh, we've been assured that everything will be okay. We've been assured that it's a, it's a green light. Uh, Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Davis will happen April fifteenth.
1: You know, Ryan will have been off for well, about eight or nine months uh, since then. I know you were very vocal about wanting to see him fight, to be active, sure. to take that January date coming up.
5: Sure.
1: But, uh, um, what, how do you feel about how he's going to be coming into this fight?
5: No, it's, it's concerning. You know, it's very concerning because, uh, look, being a fighter myself, you need to stay in the gym. You, stay, you, you have to, you know, keep the, uh, the, uh, the, the tools sharp. And, uh, you know, the fact that Tank Davis um, took the, uh, the so-called tuna fight, I don't think it was a tuna fight. It was a very difficult fight for him. Um, but it keeps him sharp. It keeps him in the game. It keeps his, his distance. It keeps his timing, uh, uh, you know, in, in check. Um, you know, and Ryan Garcia being away from the ring for 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 so long is is concerning. But the um, grind right now is training. He's with Joe Goosen. I'll be visiting him in in camp and actually staying several days uh, just to uh, you know just to be there for some moral support and uh, and you know give him give him you know my two cents as well. But uh, you know, I, I strongly feel that Ryan will be in great shape. He will. Uh, he, this is the one fight that he's always wanted. Uh, this is the fight we got him. So now it's time to perform, and I think he will be uh, in the best shape of his life.
1: Just don't don't use the word blueprint, Oscar. That never works. When no, 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 blueprint. no, no blueprint. Bl- I, I'm blueprint. still
5: I'm still looking for the blueprint. Nobody found the <laughs> blueprint. I feel like I feel like uh, Gerardo Rivera. You know, thirteen for. Uh, <laughs> Searching for those mysterious.
1: <laughs> uh, Virgil Ortiz, last thing for you. Uh, he had to have that fight paused because Danny Onis had to have an appendectomy. Uh, any plans on uh, thoughts on when that's going to
5: be rescheduled? Yeah, we just, uh, we, we talked to the, uh, the WBA and um, you know, it's, it, it'll be rescheduled uh, ASAP. I think, uh, I think Stoney Onis uh, wanted about a month, three weeks or a month. So uh we're, uh, we're back on uh, searching for venues, searching for, uh, for the right place to stage this fight. I strongly feel this fight will be one of the most explosive fights uh, in the welterweight division. Uh, Yonis, we know, he's very powerful. He's a strong kid. And Virgil Ortiz just comes forward. He's a great fighter, great boxer. He comes forward. It's going to be a great fight. So we're looking forward to that.
1: There was some news in the last couple of weeks about uh, a shakeup at Golden Boy. You had Robert Diaz leave the company uh, at the first of the year. W- w- what does that mean? Is there like, a new strategy going on with you guys behind the scenes? Like what is the direction of Golden Boy in 2023?
5: Sure. No, just, just like other, just like all the other, the rest of companies that, uh, that have been uh, cutting back on staff. That's basically it. Um, you know, um, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, um, it's been, not slow, but you know, I've 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 uh, I've just had to shift things around. But um, yeah, we're stronger than ever. We have the best fighters. We have the best uh, uh, young prospects coming up with Floyd uh, and some other kids that I've just signed. Um, you know, Eric Gomez is back on uh, on doing uh, what he does best. Aside from being president of the company, um, you know, he will assist uh, a couple of other. Uh, um, um, uh, colleagues that I've hired. So, uh, you know, golden boy is positioned right now to take it to the next level. Uh, we will be very busy. We will, uh, uh obviously, uh, um, um, have our relationship with the zone. We're looking forward to, to staging really, really good fights for this year. So, uh, on the 28th, um, this is, this is the beginning, a little tease of what's, uh, what's to come, uh, for the zone and for golden boy.
1: Put a lot of pressure on young Floyd, though, right out of the gate. Say so fights like he's like Canelo, Ryan Garcia, fights like me. I mean, this kid's got the yeah. way. you feel confident he can handle that kind of expectation. I feel
5: I feel very confident. Look, if this kid, if this kid has uh, the strength, you know, the, the 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 courage to 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 withstand living in the streets, literally living in the streets with his father, coming from literally nothing, um, you know, he we all. Obviously, know that he's 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 strong in the mind, in the heart. Uh, more importantly, he has the uh, he has the dedication, he has the desire, but he has the skill, which is incredible. I mean, Bernard Hopkins, my partner, tells me that uh, you know he hasn't seen something like this in a very long time uh, since, like an Aaron Pryor or uh, or uh, a fighter like uh, you know Bernard Hopkins always goes old school, right? Um, you know, somebody like Pernell Whitaker, uh, you know this. Floyd is 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 um Floyd is special. That, I, that that's all I can say.
1: I'm gonna need a list for the broadcast of all the guys you've compared him to uh, on Saturday. Like you've, you've just compare compared little, him little, to the little, very Aaron best. Fryer, Aaron Pryor. Aaron Pryor. You know. All right, Austin Delahoya. Yeah. Good to talk to you, man. We will see you uh, at the YouTube Theater on the Zone on Saturday night. All right, you got it. Thanks, man. And when we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel
3: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action.
0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Time now for this week's picks, brought to you by FanDuel. And this week, I am locked in on the light heavyweight title fight over the U.K. Archer Betterbev, Anthony Yard... If you listened to the first part of this podcast, you can probably tell which direction I am leaning. I think Archer Betterbiev is almost a lock to win this fight. I think something crazy would have to happen for Anthony Yard to win this fight. Betterbiev is at minus 1250 to win. Odds makers clearly agree with me. It's not a great set of odds, to say the least, but. I don't see this fight ending any other way, at least not a fight of this magnitude. So take Archer Betterbeev to win at minus 1250. Slightly better odds if you're looking for the method of victory. Betterbeev is minus 440 um, to win by knockout. I think that's how this fight's going to end. All of Archer Betterbeev's fights have ended by knockout. It has a tendency to go to the later rounds, so if you want to make another pick, pick the over on the rounds over under five rounds uh i believe is at minus a 100 or somewhere in that range so that might be something worth taking a flyer on but officially i am going archer better bef to win archer better bf by knockout those are my picks brought to you by fanduel That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sergio Mora and Oscar De La Hoya for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week.
0: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do